0: Bibles, Luke chapter 14, I'm going to start reading in verse number 28, and down to verse number 32, Luke 14, verse 28 to 32, and it reads, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, At least after he has laid the foundation And is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build. And was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war. Against another king. Does not sit down first. And consider whether he is able with 10,000. To meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else. While the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Father, help us as we begin to study today. Teach us, Lord, through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to have a seat. For those who don't know, we started last week a brand new series entitled Run to Win. And so this is a, this ser- a series that is divine to help us to understand the important keys that we need to win in life. And this is Olympic season. How many of you have been enjoying the Olympics so far? It's been awesome. Uh, What's amazing about the Olympics is that these folks that we see really a snapshot of what they have been doing over a course of many, many years. It's amazing that they spend hours and hours and hours preparing and training for probably about a minute, two, three minutes of work. And it's amazing the amount of effort they put into uh, winning the gold. And for those who don't know Michael Phelps, he is the most decorated Olympian ever. He has won more gold medals than anybody. In fact, I had to update it because he won another one last night. So it seemed like every time I turn around, Michael Felsky winning these gold medals. But he, went, he has won 27 medals in all. 27. He has 23 golds, three silvers, and two bronze medals. Now, just to give you an idea of how he trained, and this is when Michael Felsky was in his peak of training. He swam about... 80,000 meters, he swims about 80,000 meters a week, which results in about 50 miles. He practices twice a day. He trains for five to six hours a day, six days a week. He lifts weights three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Now, they think this was a little bit exaggerated, but he have a very, very uh, high-calorie diet. At one, po- at one point, it was said that he ate almost, he consumed almost 12,000 calories a day because of the demands that he put on his body in order to be the man that he is that you just saw on the screen there a second ago. So he does so many other drills to improve his skill and form. And so no matter what you think about Mike, Michael Phelps, the thing that you do know and understand is that he did not get there overnight. He was not, he didn't just wake up one day and he became this super great Olympian. How many know that he had to put a lot of work into it? A lot of sweat. I imagine a lot of tears. I imagine a lot of hardships. But in the end, because of his preparation and because of all the work that he did, this man has won more gold medals or more medals and gold medals than anybody in the entire sport or Olympics. And so that brings me to my next point because I think this is very, very important that we understand this. Most successful people I know, now you have to define success. When I talk about success, I'm talking about not just having your needs met, but I'm talking about being in a position where you can be a blessing to other people. I'm talking about having your life and your life right with God. I'm talking about being content in your soul and being content in your spirit. I'm talking about real success. Look at your neighbor and say good success. Most people that I know that are really successful, they are intentional. They are intentional. In other words, these are people that really think about what they want to do and how they're going to get there. So they come up and they devise a plan. What Michael Phelps had in order for him to accomplish what he accomplished, he had to develop a plan for how to get there. How many know it's one thing to say, God gave me a dream and God gave me a vision, but there's a whole other thing to put the work in to prepare how to get there. How many of you like GPSs? If you know anything like me, I've become kind of, I am addicted to GPS. I I just plug it in. But, you know, a GPS is really a a system of planned routes, right? The GPS, it it doesn't have a vision for where you want to go. The first question, when you get ready to activate the GPS, what is the first question the GPS asks you? Help me. Where are you going? See, see, that's up to you to figure out where it is that you're going. Or in this case, where it is that God want to take you. And so what happens is, Is that once we put into the GPS where we want to go, then it devises a plan for how to get there. See, there's a lot of Christians, even a lot of people of God, who may have a dream or have a vision, but they have no GPS. They have no plan. Y'all know how we do sometimes. You know, sometimes I I believe that many of us, when we get saved, For some reason, I I think this is—it's in our our minds that, that that we're just supposed to sit back and just let God do it. I, got, I, I just sit back. I mean, this this most incredible mind. We talked about the mind last week, this most incredible mind that God created this. I mean, th- there's no computer. There's nothing greater than this mind. Somehow, some way that when we come into the kingdom, sometimes we have we have a way of thinking that, that man, we, we got just to sit back and let God and, and, and just let it happen. And we don't have a plan for how, how to get there. And many of us have been sitting down for a real long time, waiting for a plan. But how many know that God, when God gave the children of Israel, I want you, how many of you read your Bible? Everybody, every hand should have went up. How many know that God oftentimes, he gave them a vision, but they had to sit down. They had to figure out the plan, how to get there. They had the plan. How many know that? That Moses, along with Joshua, they had a strategy of how to enter the promised land. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Noah built the ark, right? But Noah was given a plan in order to build the ark. How many of you remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah got a burden from God. He felt, he said, Nehemiah said, you know what? I want to go back. I want to go back and I need to build the wall of the Jerusalem. I need to go back and build those walls that have been torn down because the people of God are all over the place. And Nehemiah was in tears. He was, he was burdened. And God dropped that burden in his spirit. But once Nehemiah got that thing from God, he instantly went into a plan mode and he devised a strategy in order to bring it to pass. Now, you must understand this, that whenever God gives, now, now you might want to write this down. Whenever God gives you a a vision, a dream, or whatever he put into your heart, there's going to be a plan that has to be attached to it. Now, obviously, you're going to seek God, you're going to talk to God, you should be doing that, but, but, but how many know the planning part is up to you? How many know that God expects you to use that, incredible, powerful brain that you have, that processor. So it is, it is up to you to sit down and to devise a plan in the presence of God. Michael Phelps, who is the greatest Olympian ever in terms of winning medals, I'm sure that as a kid there were times that before he became who he was, that he sat there and he imagined being man to sit there and hold up all those goals. But how I many know it Need to go from I imagine and I dream to I need to come up with a plan. See, there are many of God's people, and I know, I know it, and I, I see talents, and I see gifts, but some of us, we've been sitting too long, and, and the reason why you haven't gotten any further than where you should be is because you have no plan. You have no GPS. And you, it's up to you to do that. Now, how many know that God created us in his image? What that simply means is that God made us with the capacity, he gave us cognitive skills. He expects us to reason. He expects us to think. He expects us to plan. And the reason why I'm driving this home because there are some folk that really think planning is unbiblical. Yeah, there's some people who really believe, man, you know, I don't need to plan. man. I just need to trust God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I I just, brother, I don't need a plan. I just need to just trust God. And so what we're really saying is we're too lazy to put in the work to do what God has called us to do. How many know the Bible said that we are co-laborers with God? So, yes, God has given you all that you need, as first Peter says. He's given us all that we need that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us everything we need. But how many know we got to activate it? We got to step into the land of promise. We just can't sit back and hope. We got to devise a strategy to attack the enemy. We got to devise a plan to be able to get what God has for us. I want that to sink down into your spirit because I don't want you to look up 10, 15, 20 years later and you're still sitting in the same spot. And you have not moved because you have never developed a plan because you're waiting on God to do it for you. Now, this is a very practical message this morning. But God is a planner. Everybody say God is a planner. Let's say it real loud. God is a planner. planner. Now, let me show you. Let me give a couple of verses to show you this. Now, keep in mind that as I read these verses, I want you to understand what I just said. I said a moment ago that we are made in the image of God, in his likeness. All right? We're made in his image, in his likeness. And look at this. I'll give you a couple of verses. This is Genesis, just to drive home the point. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. More than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this verse is a direct reference to the fact that Jesus would come and redeem us back to himself. But what I want you to understand is that way, way back in the Garden of Eden, Even when man sinned, when they disobeyed God, it was from that moment that God set in motion a plan over thousands of years to bring us back to him. Everybody say he's a good God. He he could have left us. So all the way back then, God devised a plan to bring Christ into the earth so that he could die for our sins and ultimately come back and receive us into eternity. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 4, I love this verse. Just as he chose us. Look at your neighbor and say, you have been chosen. In him before the foundations of the world. Think about it. Think about God. How many know God before the world was? God already had you in mind. Are y'all hearing that? Somebody, somebody, let me say it again. Before the world was, God already had you in mind. He already predetermined some things about your life. How do you know that is love personified? That we will be holy and without blame before him in love. So it's God's design from the beginning. God was working in us. He devised a plan and he's still working in us. Watch this, church, to make you like Jesus. Watch this. Look at this. Romans 8. 29 says this, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined, that word predestined really means predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. How many of you know, and how many are glad that your life is not an accident? Now, so understand this. Now watch this. You got to hear this. Everything that God is doing in your life, everything that he's doing in your life, God has his one goal in mind. Watch this. And that is to make you like Jesus. Watch this. In whatever situation you face. Now y'all hear that because he's preparing you for eternity. So God is working in your life. Even the trials that you're going through, even the hardships that you're going through, all of this God is using to prepare you For the next life. Or to be like Jesus. That's why the Bible says in James uh, chapter 1. It says my brethren count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. How many of you have been falling in some trials lately? Come on. Knowing that the testing of your faith. Produces patience. Look at this. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. And lacking nothing. How many know that all the all the trials that we go through, all the pain that we go through sometimes and the hardship and the suffering, it is all God working in us to make me like Jesus. See, if you can get that into your spirit, you'll never get too upset about stuff because you know that God is pulling the strings of your life. You understand that God is working in me. He wants to change me. How many know that God, listen, God is preparing you for eternity. Look at the neighbor and say eternity. It is all about eternity. You think it's all about the now. It's not about the now. It is about eternity. And so what he's doing is he is making you like Jesus so that when you get there, you won't feel out of place. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? He's preparing you for eternity. I like this verse. He says this. He says in James, everybody quote, uh, love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Look at this. For I know the plans. Everybody say the plans. Plans. The plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. How many know God's, God's aim is not to harm you? Look at your neighbor and say he's a good God. Even in the midst of storms, you got to know that he's a good God. You got to know that the present, that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. And so God is preparing you for glory. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? See, that's what he's doing. He's preparing you for glory while you're sitting there kicking and screaming and saying, God, why? God is working in your life to prepare you for something that will blow your mind. Something that you can't even imagine. But how I many know you got to think differently than where we're thinking right now? Aren't you glad to know that this earth, <laughs> that this ain't, this ain't the last stop? Hallelujah. If you love Jesus today, this ain't the last stop. You, you just look at the neighbor and say, I'm preparing See, you're you're preparing. So God says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you. Sometimes God allows us to go through some things in life and we don't understand why we got to go through. I don't understand why I have to have a failed marriage. I don't understand why I got to go through a situation where my child is is acting out of place or, or a loved one that passed. I don't understand why I got to go through all this, this financial. I don't understand how has all these things happened to me. It's part of God's plan. I said it's part of his plan. Now, when you look at life in those terms, I mean, know it will settle your faith. It'll, it'll be like an anchor to your life because you will realize, man, no, it, you know, like, like Joe said, though you slay me, what? Yet will I trust you. God, I will trust you because I know you have a plan. How many know that plans give you a a sense of security? You know, how I many you are glad that God has a plan for your life? That, that, see, that's why you're following him, because you know, you know you messed up or you wouldn't be here. You know you can't figure this thing out on your own. You know you need help. Does anybody else in here know they need help? You, you know, you know you need God. You know it. And you are glad to know today that God has a plan for every one of us. And it's amazing. But beyond that, now understand, we're made in the image of God. God is a planner. So that means that God wants us to think like him. I said, God wants us to think like him. He wants us to have the mind of Christ. He wants us to think like him in every situation that you're confronted with. Whatever problem, whatever situation you're confronted with, the first question you got to be asking yourself is, where's my mind? Am I thinking like Jesus? How would, how, would, how would Jesus respond in this situation if he were here right now? Because that's what it's all about. And so in Luke chapter 14, it simply says here, he, he paints a picture. I love this verse. And Jesus really, if you re- read this, if, uh, if you look at this verse, uh, Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 28, down to verse number 30, 31, 32, it, it's really talking about the cost of being a disciple. Jesus, the aim of this particular verse is to explain that when you want to or decide that you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you A lot. Salvation is free. Discipleship is expensive. It's costly. Now watch. But embedded within this verse is a truth that coincides with what we're saying today. And listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, for which of you, look at this, intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. You know, when I first bought my house, When I went into my house and and, and I I began to walk around and and, and I found the blueprints to my house. And then it it brought to my mind how that this house didn't just, you know, it didn't just formulate itself. Somebody sit down with some blueprints and they made a plan of what they want this thing to look like. And it's funny, as I looked at the blueprints, it was exactly what I was standing in. Jesus is simply saying this. Listen, he he said, who's going to sit down? What? Person will sit down and build a tower, and first don't sit down and think it through. Who's gonna build a house without blueprints? Come on. You'll go tell a builder, go tell a builder, I just want you to build me a house. Well, we, well I don't know, just build a house. He's gonna look at you like, what is that? No, no. You have to have a plan. Jesus really is is. I mean, I, I, I don't wanna put words in, in the master's mouth, but he's kind of saying. You know, if I can put it in kind of ghetto terms, like, oh, you're crazy. You're foolish. What, what man would sit down and build a tower without first, you know, counting the cost? You know, how much does it cost? How much is it going to cost me to build this thing? How am I going to lay this whole thing out? How I many know that's called planning? Look at the neighbor and say, that's planning. Brother Ray got a financial seminar. I'm telling you right now, some of you don't want to go. But listen, listen, hear me. If you got some problem with your money, you need to go because his whole seminar is about developing a plan. How many of you have been in debt for a long time? You still been in debt for a long time because nothing has changed because you have no plan. You're just wishing it away. Things just don't wish away. Oh, God. Oh, God. Things just don't wish away. You can say, "Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish." Oh, you get all all sanctified. Oh, oh the Lord gonna make it happen. The Lord gonna make... look. Come on, the Lord already made it happen. Study. He's already told you it's in your brain, right? But this this is kind of the Christianese kind of stuff that we do because we don't understand. I mean, we, we I don't know how we think, but it's almost like we just we. It's almost like just toying, like mocking God in some way, like. You know, like God don't know what's going on with us. God is never going to reward, listen to me, bad stewardship. Y'all know that, right? He's not going to reward bad behavior because for him to reward bad behavior is to do what? It it is to uh, uh, continue the pattern. It is to affirm it. It is to say to you, hey, it's okay. God is still blessed. So God ain't going to do that until you change. Look at your neighbor and say, change. Some of y'all don't want to hear that, but I don't want to hear my notes. That just happened. That was just right here. The Holy Spirit just dropped that in my spirit. All right. So Jesus is saying, so who's going to get into, who's going to go to war, right? How are you going to go to war? And you're going to fight. You got an army. of? You, you got to fight a team of about 20,000 people. All right. You're going to fight, you know, and, and you got 10,000. Maybe you need to sit down and devise a plan for how you're going to attack the enemy. Right? Everybody, I don't know anything about military, I, I, you know, other than what I hear But I, I've never been in the military. But from stuff I've seen and heard, they, those guys, they don't just walk up in a situation and just say, okay okay, 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 guys, let's everybody up on the front line. Let's just go for it. I mean, there's somebody that sit back and said, let me think this thing through. How many know the children of Israel, before they went into war to take the land of Israel, they sat down and they devised a plan. Joshua said, Look, spies, go out into the land. I need you to survey the land. why did he need them to survey the land? Because he was going to attack it. But he wanted to know how to attack it. How many know God made you the promise, but you got to go get it? Come on, church. Look at Name and say, go get it. Now, now let me drop this on you. Let me drop this into you for a moment. Listen to this. And listen very carefully. See, a lack of planning can become the gateway to confusion, unclarity, and bad mistakes. Let me say that again. A lack of planning can become the gateway to confusion, unclarity, and bad mistakes. Now, let me take it a step further. How many know in the Bible? The Bible says in one Corinthians chapter fourteen, thirty-three: "For God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion." James three fifteen through sixteen says this: "This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, look at this: confusion and every evil thing." are there. See, what I want you to understand is a plan will help you guard against confusion. See, there are a lot of Christians today who are confused about their lives. They don't really know what's happening. And, and how many know that confusion is the playground of the enemy? You, you ever notice that whenever there's, if if there's a large crowd, that, that something happened and all of a sudden everybody's screaming and running and people thought, you don't even know what it is. But everybody running. I guess I better run too. anybody ever been there, right? Uh, hopefully you ain't hanging in those kind of environments. You know what I'm talking about? You know, all of a sudden you just say, hey, having a good time, and all of a sudden everybody come running. And, and first thing you say, what's all this? What's all this confusion? Let me tell you. Oh, what, what, what's up? Whoa, 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 whoa. The confusion is the devil's playground, and the enemy always wants to confuse us. He wants us to be confused. He wants us to be uncertain. How many know it is not God's will? How many know it's the will of God that you know his will for your life? No, y'all, 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 listen. It is God's will that you're not guessing. God, listen, God is not playing hide and go seek with you. The problem is we got to seek him. And when we seek him, he said, when you seek me with all your heart, he says what? You will find me when you seek me. So, so, so understand something. So Satan don't want you to develop a plan. Everything about, you read the book of Proverbs, right? Everything about the book of Proverbs, we read Proverbs, I love, I love Proverbs. Proverbs, it always talks about making hasty decisions. We read a couple of those verses today. See, so Satan wants you to, you know, you ever go to a, a car dealership and, 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 you know, it's always funny. But you can tell them like, man, I, I got bills. I got stuff to pay me. I got to send my gift. They don't care. Get in the car. Get 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 in the car, but brother, I don't want to get in that car. I know I can't afford it. I know, I mean, I, you, know, I've up my stuff. Uh, you know, I have looked at my stuff. You know, I don't get in. The, you want to take a test drive? Come on, take a test drive. Y'all don't talk about, and they don't care because all they want to do is get you to buy it. They don't care about the fact that you're going to struggle to pay for it, that you can't give money to the kingdom of God. You can't support the things that are really important in your life. You can't pay your bills. You can't. He don't care about that. All he wants. Do it now. Everything about the devil is do it now. Quick, 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 quick. He don't want you to develop a plan. Many of God's people are in trouble today because they don't realize it because not having a plan. They planned and got in trouble. I don't know if that made sense, but many people today—they're interpreting because they made, they, just, they just did it. You know, my wife used to always tease me because I was—I was I a was lot like that. I mean, I just go in the store, I—you know—I didn't look at now. I just see it, man. Like, man, that's a big TV. I'd like to have. I just visualize that thing in my living room. Let's just bring it in. I didn't care about the cost. And then tell her time to pay the bill. I'm like, oh Jesus, oh, God, what have I done? I didn't think this thing through. How many know a plan will stable you? A plan causes you to sit down. How many know that, that God wants his children to be wise? The Bible says that the children, of this the children of this world sometimes are brighter than the children of light. How many know that ain't supposed to be that way? And so, and so the enemy wants you to, see, he wants you to get confused. He wants you to get to a point where, you, you know how we do, oh, we get in trouble. Then it's like, well, God, let you, why you let this happen to me? God, God, I mean, how, God, how? I mean, God, I did what he said. Yeah, not really. You, you, you partially obeyed. Now you got in trouble. You're trying to obey now, but you didn't obey before. You didn't seek me. You went and did that and got in trouble on your own. And now you want to blame God. Is anybody in here who ain't ashamed to say it, have ever blamed God for a mistake that you made? <laughs> but look at the name and say, God is working it out. Come on, say it good good say god is working it out for my good anyhow (laughs) anyhow he's working it out for you anyhow i mean he's gonna do it and we love him for that but i want you to understand is that, that that planning watch this planning will minimize bad decisions most bad decisions are made because people don't plan and they don't think it through. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When people, let me tell you something. I, tell, I told, told this one gentleman one time, he called me up. He says, Pastor Gary, can you marry me? I said, oh, yeah, brother, glad to do it. Look, but you got to go through like 12-week program. And, uh, and I remember, and I'll never forget it. He said, uh, hmm, uh, let me get back to you. Next thing I know, he, he, he couldn't even, brother couldn't even call me. He messaged me through Facebook. You know that's how people do now. They hide between faith, they hide on Facebook, and they don't want to talk to you. They hide, message. Uh, uh, that's like Pastor Gary. I'm good. I, I don't need it. And why do you need? It? Look, look, but my wife and I know today that he married a woman and he divorced her within. I don't think he was married to her for a year. But all I was trying to do was get you better to sit down and let's think this thing through. Let's develop a plan. What kind of woman do you want? I mean, does she love the Lord? I mean, how does she look? I mean, you know, what what does she look like in the morning? I know what kind of how is she when she gets upset, when she gets mad or vice versa? You know, how? I mean, really just just, you know, let's just figure out what, what are their long term goals? What are their plans? And he didn't want to do that. All he had is. I love her I love him I want him now my flesh gotta have it now I want it now let me tell you what a plan will do a plan will put you in control of your life and not your flesh because your flesh will get you in trouble your flesh won't what it wants and the Bible says the lust of the eyes you know your eyes will see stuff and it'll lust and before you know it you're just a puppy dog you just going wherever your eyes take you but, man, a plan has a way of slowing things down. Can anybody say amen to that? Developing a plan. And so, so, so how many know that, that, that Michael Felt, they had to develop a plan? He couldn't just sit there and, and eat all McDonald's and fast food, stay up all night long. Come on, church. You know, he had to be disciplined. Like Paul said, I got to beat my body. I got to make it my slave because I'm in control of this thing. So I got to develop a plan because I'm going someplace. Do you know where you're going this morning? Do you even know? Do you have a clue? And if you can answer that in an affirmative, here's the next question. What's your plan to get there? What's your plan to get there? How are you going to get there? What's your plan? Have you thought about it? Just something to think about. So how do we develop a godly plan? We're coming down now. We're landing the plane. This is the point of the airline, of the plane trip when we say, you know, put your seat trays up. All right, so we, we, we're landing. We, we're getting ready. Then, no, maybe this is the time they say on the, on the plane trip that use the restroom for the last time. This is we're at that point right now. So, how, how do we, some of you who fly a lot, you know what I'm talking about? How do we develop a guy that goes and guy that Number one, listen to this. This is really really practical because I think it's important because you have the, your life is a compilation of decisions. You are where you are today based on the decisions that you make. It's about decisions. Life is about decisions. The, the folks that do the best make the better decisions. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Save or unsaved, that's just the reality. That's the way God designed the thing. And it don't change because you're a Christian. In fact, you should understand that even more and be wiser in the decision-making process and decisions that you make, that we make. But number one, this goes without saying, you want to pray and ask God about your future. The Bible says, Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to God about everything. I'm going to ask God. Everybody say, keep God involved. Don't ask God after you made the decision. (laughs) I want you to ask God before you do it. Before you jump in, spend a considerable amount of time talking to God. And not just a quick prayer, but seeking God. How many know there's a little bit of a difference between praying and seeking God? Yeah, 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 some of y'all are serious Christians. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's praying and then there's seeking God. Seeking God involves a little bit more time. You got to add some more time to your prayer time in the morning. It's not going to be a five minute, Lord, just bless me today in Jesus' name. Amen. No, no, no. You're seeking Him. You're asking Him some questions. You're laying your heart bare before Him. So we want to get along with God. We want to pray about our marriage, pray about our careers, pray about our jobs, pray about purchases that we make. We want to pray about the entirety of our lives. We want to just give it to God. Give it to God. You know, I said this morning, when we was in worship this morning, and I felt the Holy Spirit was just, was just saying, just don't, somebody was just withholding something, and God was saying, give it to them. Because the way some of us, have, you know, many of us have been wired is we're just used to being in control of our life, and so when you to have somebody stand up here. This, this, this tall, black, uh, dark, handsome, good-looking preacher stand up. Somebody <laughs> there, all right? Okay. So, so when we stand up here and I and I and I tell you this stuff, right? Then, then, then you know, I, I really, I, I really want you to, you know, I really want you to to, to really to understand that that it's truth and that. And, and that sitting down and actually talking to God about it is going to help you. And I know for some of us, we don't like, we don't want to talk. We're not used to that. We're just used to making decisions. But as a Christian now, you're supposed to forfeit forfeited that right. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Jesus said that we came to him, we gave him everything. That means your life is not even your own. Did everybody here understand that? Your life don't belong to you as a Christian. You don't have any rights over your life other than to give it to God. That's what a real true disciple is. Now, that's deep. That's too deep for some people because they, they ain't asked all that. They want God to give them a little bit of sugar on the side. When they need God, God be there when I need you. But other than that, I'll get back. Let me, I'll, I'm okay. But when I need you, be there for me. That's not what Christianity is about. So we want to seek him. We want to make sure to lay it out before him. Then look, look at this. How do we develop a godly plan? Look at the neighbor and say, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Um, you know, sometimes you watch some of these Olympians and, and you see them moving in the side. A lot of times, and sometimes I work out a lot, so I go to the gym. And every now and then I see somebody who got like a pad and they're writing stuff down. Because let me tell you something. You ain't really serious about your plan until you write it down. Let, and let me say something else. if you Listen, you'd be amazed that when you start writing stuff down and then and then you start comparing that to... Your, your, your brain that, 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 you know, let's just say, for example, you didn't write anything down. You just kind of kept it up here. You know how some of us do. I got it up here. It's right here. It'd be amazing what you write down and you come back and check on it later that, man, y'all, you're far apart, nowhere near what you wrote down. Let me tell you something. God, the, the, the Bible said, the, the Lord told Habakkuk, he says, write it down. Write it down. Write down what God is putting in your heart and write down the plan. Just write it down. Just say, here's what I'm going to do. And then, look, and then look at it. Hold it right there. Okay, this is, what, this is my plan. And let me tell you something. And when you do that and when things come to pass the way you wrote it down, boy, you have a whole lot of confidence and you feel like you're in control of your life. And you're not being pulled in every single direction, sitting back every, every two, three months. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Come on, church. Write it down. What are you looking for? What do you, want, what, what do you believe God taking you to in the next couple of years? What are you believing for your marriage? What are you believing for church? What are you believing for ministry? What are you believing God for? Your job, your kids, your family. Plan it. Write it down. And, and watch what God will do. How many know God will bless a plan? Let me say that again. God will bless a plan. He'll bless the plan. He ain't, gonna, he ain't gonna bless laziness. Y'all know that, right? I got some of y'all looking like they ain't in the scripture. I'm gonna show you in a minute. Hold on, hold tight. I'm coming. I'm coming right to your address. And then, you, look, you need to get godly counsel. Number three, the Bible says there in Proverbs 11:14. The Bible says, "Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety." So, you wanna make a decision? You're planning. You know, a good idea is that and we talked about this at our men's meeting yesterday. Some of the brothers were there. You know what? Find somebody. Who is godly? Everybody say who's godly. You know, you know how it is that when we want some a certain way, that we always go to the person that's going to tell us what we want to hear. Y'all yeah, know that ain't going to help none of us, right? I don't know about you, but I want people to tell me the truth, even if it hurts. I'd rather have the truth. Now, I would like to have a little, little grace every now and then, but 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 I want to know the truth because the truth is what's really going to set me free. Don't let me walk away getting in trouble. You know, just because, well, I didn't want to offend them because, you know, I didn't want them to get mad. How many know that, that sometimes people need to be offended in a good way in order, they, in order that they might be delivered and keep themselves from getting in trouble? Every now and then you have to do that. Now, that, that was free, but take that. That, that. That'll help you in the long run. So get God to counsel. Talk to people. Chat with people. Hey, hey, you know, what do, what do you think about this? God put this on my heart. And, you know, now be careful with that. The only thing I would say be careful because sometimes God puts something on your heart that's just too big that some people can't handle. Anybody ever had a dream or a vision that was so big that you try to tell some folk, man, and they're, just, they're trying to talk you out of it. So you got to be careful. So you have to seek this out. But find people that you believe that are listening to God. One of my best things I do all the time when I want to get counsel is I find people that I know that are impartial and that love God first. And look, love God more than they love me or my feelings. When I want truth, that's good. And then number, number five, be diligent about your plans. Everybody say be diligent. No, number four, be diligent. Uh, Proverbs 21 5 says the plan of the diligent will lead to plenty. In other words, when you get a plan, work your plan. Don't just sit back and just, you know, it's one thing to have a plan, but if you don't do nothing with the plan, what, what, what difference do it make? Y'all hear what I'm saying? What difference does it make if we write down a plan and we don't do anything with it? So, work the plan. Develop a plan. Work the plan. Be diligent about the plan. And then we need to allow God, number five, to amend the plan when he needs to. How many know that he's Lord and he's ruler? And here's the thing. We don't, all, we don't all see perfectly, right? None of us do. We don't see perfectly. And every now and then, you know, if it was up to us, our life would be different in a whole lot of ways. Come on, raise your hand you know what I'm talking about. If it was up to you, a lot of things will be different in your life right now, right? You'll change a whole lot of stuff, but here's the thing. It ain't your life. It's his life, right? And, and, and that what it is? Do y'all believe me or no? Do I need to do a whole another sermon on that? No. It's, it's his life. And, 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 and our life is hidden in God with Christ Jesus. It's his life. And so, and so, so if God wanted to change my plans... God changed my plans, but watch this. There's still not an excuse not to have a plan. Because some people look at that and say, "Well, I said, why do I need to have a plan if God's going to change it? Because He's God. That's why." But He still expects you to have a plan. He still has you to. He still expects us to have a plan. Proverbs 19:21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's will stand. So He wants us to develop a plan. There's no excuse not to have a plan. And now, I'm about to land the plane right now. This is when the plane is starting to come down. You're starting to feel a little bit of turbulence. Wheels are about to hit the ground. Here we are right here. So what are the benefits of a plan? Here it is. Now, take this to the bank. If you don't believe me, try it. A plan will minimize. How many of you got stress in your life right now? Let's be honest. Some of our stress in life, some of it is because we don't know what's going to happen, right? And here's the thing. And we don't even want to think about it. Sometimes we don't even want to think about it. The future we don't want to think about it I, I just just put that on the back burner i ain't got time for that look a plan will minimize the stress in your life it will help minimize the stress in your life you know uh you know and, and here's the thing about a plan what's beautiful about it that whenever you accomplish a goal you know you feel good about it you know when i accomplish certain goals that i have in my life I don't know about you, man. I feel good about it, man. You know, I, had to put a, I had to put a roof on my house. And so we had to, plan to, we had to plan to put a roof on my house. I mean, no, it ain't cheap to put a roof on your house. Yeah, it ain't cheap. Brother was hurting. I mean, and whatever I thought it was, my wife would tell you, what I thought it was, it was of what I thought it was. The price I thought, man, I was in a dream. I was in a, see, that, see that's when you really got to see God. God <laughs> Let me just put it this way. It was a lot more expensive. And, but, but, you know, but we are planned to put a roof. I know I'm near retirement. So I said, I got to put a roof on my house. And so, so we got a roof, but, but, you know, it, it was one of those things that, that, that when it came to pass and I drove home after my vacation, I saw the roof, I felt good. You know, I felt good. Cause now I ain't sitting back now, you know, like how I'm, I'm going to pay for the roof. How I'm going to pay for it. the roof is paid for. I ain't got to worry about the roof right now. Come on, give God a praise for me. Come on, give God a praise. Hopefully you don't have to put on no roofing. you don't have to. But it minimizes stress. And so um, number two, um, it minimizes stress in the lives of others. <laughs> How many know that what God is doing in your life oftentimes is not just limited to you? So if you're kingdom focused and you know that God is working in your life and, and he wants you to influence other people. How many know that sometimes when you, when you have a plan, that, that, that it minimizes the stress in other people's lives, especially if you want them involved in something that you're doing? You hear what I'm saying? Which brings me, bring me to my next point. It's inviting. How many of you like to connect with people that got a plan? I mean, or in other words, that have a clue. <laughs> right? Somebody have a plan. Like, well, man, I want you to sell everything. I want you to pack your bags up. I want you to come out and move with me to Arizona. No, 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 let me try. That's, that's too nice a spot. Come on. I want you to move way out there. I want you to go to West Virginia in the Appalachian. I want you to, I feel like the Lord just, brother, I've been praying last night and the Lord just gave me a prophecy. And he spoke prophetically to me. He said, well, I'm supposed to go to West Virginia to the Appalachian, and you supposed to come with me. Now, how many know that if you come with me like that, I'm going to say, brother, we need to sit down and have a real conversation about this. We need to talk. What's your plan? How in the world did God speak to you about that? You know, we need, in other words, you better have something because I'm not saying I'm going to drop what I'm doing and you don't have a clue. Well, well, well brother, well how, well, how are you going to do this? Well, I don't know, man. I'm just going to trust God. That sounds nice. And there is a in time when we do have to trust God. Don't get me wrong. But let's but but not use that as an excuse not to do our part. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So we trust God while we do our part. And then lastly, the plan keeps you on target. It keeps you on target. How many know that you're more likely to achieve your goals and succeed if you have a plan? And you'll stay on target, even when, when things get rough. Because how many know that sometimes when God is working in your life and where he's taking you to, things ain't always going to go the way that you always envision them to go. But a plan just kind of keeps you going in the right direction. And so this is what we need to do. So here's my, so here's my point. God wants us to win in life. So last week we talked about this, this important aspect of, of winning in the mind, having the right mindset, thinking like a winner. It's very, very important. But today was more of the practical side. Now, I got to prepare. So some of you sitting right here now, you're trying to figure out like, you know, what, what you're gonna, what, you know what's going to happen with this and what's going to happen with that. All I'm saying is, to start thinking about a plan, how you're going to get there. What do you want God to do for you? What do you believe God has put in your heart? What is it? And develop a plan. It may be a six-month plan. It may be a long-term plan. Just come up with a plan and believe God. Keep God involved the entire time and watch this church. Your life will never, ever be the same. Now, the stuff I gave you here today, it ain't the kind of stuff that'll make you jump, shout hallelujah, but I bet you if you apply these principles, check back with me in a couple of years, I bet your life would be a whole lot better. And I, and I bet this too, I bet you would be a whole lot happier as well. Amen? Amen. If you receive that, give Jesus a praise clap. If you receive that, amen. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.